0: After the 1000 phase was kind of over, we jumped on a 600 and that's kind of when I started to get fast, I would say. Like that's when, that's when people started figuring out who I was and, and started making a name for myself was when I got on the 600.
1: Tank Slapping Pod episode 80 co-host on the other line Frankie is back Frankie Garcia what's Woo! up dog
2: Dude I'm uh, I'm back man I'm stoked had a little had a little crash uh Chuck Wallace weekend so I'm healing up but man I'm stoked to be back I missed a few uh, few episodes there a couple episodes uh, luckily um, the trusty old Robbie Bobby was able to uh, jump in and be a part of it we can always count on him for some great
1: entertainment but
2: yeah man i'm stoked i love this
1: robbie bobby is like our uh phil nicoletti he's our fill-in rider <laughs> whatever <laughs> Whenever frankie can't That's come on sure. we got robbie bobby's our fill-in um we should get a hold of him man and see how his, his uh how the clash went this past weekend he had his his big race that he his world championship uh, we should, world we should,
2: championship you can't forget about that
1: maybe we'll get him on and chat with him about that i know we talked about bringing noah chambers on this could be an action-filled show but first first thing we're gonna first person we're gonna talk to is is Corey west man i'm uh, i'm pretty excited to chat with him he's god i was doing some research on him man and he's written a ton of shit um <laughs> like dude there was like daytona 200 pikes peak he's raced a uh, buell in china he's done flat track he's bagger racing he's done he rode for m4 um he does texas tornado boot camp he's just like <laughs> like dude trades man. yeah if there's been some sort of series he's probably raced it um so, yeah, Corey Westbro, get him on. He's a fellow bagger rider, so I'm sure you guys will have a lot yeah, to talk man. about. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got a lot to
2: talk about. So, um, yeah, I'm stoked. I can't wait to have him on and pick his brain about some stuff. I don't know a huge ton about his AM his career, and, you know, it'd be good to pick his brain about that and hear what he has to say about that because, obviously, he's, you know, an East Coast dude, Midwest guy, you know, I've been out here on the West Coast uh, my whole life, and, and, uh, you know, I know, I know road racer Corey, you know, I've known him since, you know, I I've been road racing and, you know, he's, he's a little bit, he was a little bit before me. I mean, obviously I grew up watching him, um, you know, when Heron was young and, and all those guys, he, he was a little bit ahead of me and, uh, was already a, you know, a top guy in the Daytona sport bike class. Um, you know, before I was, you know, when I was still club racing, so uh, you know, but it's cool, man. It, it's rad how things like circle back and we all, you know, we all end up, you know, in the same place at some point or, or or another in our careers, if that's what you want to call them. Um, you can call him more of a career. You call me just a got lucky with some rides, but, uh,
1: <laughs> come on. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> um. uh,
2: but no, it's cool, man. I'm stoked. You know, we're him and I are both bagger guys. So it's, it'd be cool to hear his, uh, get his feedback. Obviously he's, Done a couple of Moto America rounds, but he's been focused this year. um Him and the Saddleman guys on BRL, um, and so yeah, I'd love to hear about it, and uh, can't wait to have him on.
1: Yeah, man. Before we get too far into it, I want to give a um, like a special shout out to actually two guys in the flat track world who we who we lost this past week, man. And um Joe Baggett. I don't know if you know Joe Frankie, but he's, we call him Chaplain Joe. He's, he's been at our flat track races for man, my whole life essentially, but more so the last 10, 15 years, um, just super, super nice guy. He lost his life, uh, working on a racetrack in in Ocala, Florida, he had a, an incident and, uh, he lost his life, man. And it, it, it hit home for a lot of people in the flat track world because he was just, everyone called him grandpa Joe, man. He's a really nice guy. He was, um, you know, just always there whenever any, anybody needed him spiritually, uh, just great guy, really good rider. Uh, I, I don't know how old Joe was, but he wasn't a spring chicken, but he rode like a spring chicken, man. He was a really sporty rider and we're going to miss him, man. I, I spent a lot of time in Florida and that's where, where Joe is based out of right now. I think he's originally from Illinois, but Uh, he's, he was living in Florida and obviously I, I spend my winters in Florida and I got the, I got to see him a lot and spend some time with him. Uh, my wife really enjoyed chatting with Joe as well, and we're going to miss Joe. So I wanted to give a shout out to Joe and then, uh, and then Paul Steverson, man, I don't know if you've ever heard of nieces speedway, uh, mid Carolina speedway in nieces South Carolina, but it's pretty much where everybody used to go to train on the way down to Daytona bike week and Paul was the track owner. He, he was pretty much the only guy doing races in the Southeast for probably a couple of decades, at least 10 years. There w- weren't really any other tracks down there. And, and Paul was, uh, he was actually a really good friend of my dad's too. They, they chatted quite a bit. He had this super Southern draw accent, Mr. Paul. And, uh, just a bummer. I just recently heard that we lost Paul as well. So, uh we'll do this show in their honor, Joe and Paul, and definitely we're going to miss, uh, miss them being at the flat tracks and, uh, they they won't be forgotten for sure.
2: Rest in peace, man. We got a, we have a small flat track community and it's, uh, you know, whether we know each other or not, or it's been a lot of time, you know, we've all, we've all heard of, uh, you know, each other at one point or another. And it's always, it's always sucks to, to see one of us go and, you know, lose, lose a member of our community. Like I said, we're a small family and, uh, you know, especially when when we lose the good ones. So, rest in peace to those guys, and uh, I'm sure they're up there and in, the, in the clouds, ripping
1: the the best, finely groomed track. Yeah, yeah, they're in good company. So, yeah, we'll we'll keep it going for them, and uh, want to make sure we shout out our sponsors that make this show possible week in and week out. Uh, I, I say it a lot, but make sure you you get on social media, follow these companies, support them. You know what they're doing that to help the sport grow and support the riders and supplying like support for stuff that we're doing, giving content, you know, for free to the, to the listeners, you know, everything they're doing. It's, it's um, it's, it's, just, it's, it's actually insane how much these companies uh, support the sport in so many different aspects. Um, and our first one, they've been with us since like day one, essentially is bell power sports, check out bell helmets to view their full line of products. Uh, me and Frankie, we both wear the race star flex, Moto 9, the new Moto 10 helmet, just off the top, top quality helmets, top of the line safety ratings. Uh, make sure you check out Bellhelmets.com and the quality and safety, as always, is unmatched. If you start tank slap and you want to be protected by Bell, Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Check out their website at YamahaMotorsports.com. Motorcycle, <laughs> ATV, side by side, snowmobile, and power products. Yamaha revs your heart. And again, I want to give another shout out to Yamaha for coming on board for the winter throwdown and offering manufacturer contingency uh, for our, our flat track race, man. That's, it's pretty special what they're doing. Indian motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules we are big fans of Indian motorcycle and everything they're doing for flat track, bagger racing, hooligan racing. Uh, they have a lot on their plate right now. The rule changes just came out for the uh, American flat track series and, and the, uh, the Indian FTR is, uh, it's getting restricted, man. And they're going to, they're going to put their heads down and, and go to work and they got some great riders and a really great team behind them. And I want to give a shout out to Gary gray and everybody at Indian motorcycle that supports our show um I'm waiting on that challenger to show up under my tree this year, Frankie. I want to. I want to. I want to cruise around town. Been I'm a challenger. good boy. I have been a good boy, dude. That's what I'm saying, man. Give me a challenger. uh Yeah, or I'll take any. I'll take i I'll take the little e bike, the little Indian e bike. I ain't picky. Yeah, um, man. Those uh, things
2: are red too. <laughs> uh,
1: and then, uh, as always, uh, Uncle Jerry Stinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly four years of experience make sure you check out his website out at commercialroofsystems.net jerry keeps the sport going and uh, as always we want to uh, just thank him for supporting our podcast but we got our first guest on the line locked and loaded Corey west man what's up bro thanks for coming on
0: hey guys how's it going
1: uh, we are good are man. Going, man we are good we are good <laughs> thanks for uh Thanks for taking the time, dude. It's been a long time coming. I know you—you you actually listen to quite a few of our shows. You're always kind of chiming in on the comments with some good, some good quality comments and, and things like that. So uh, finally, get you on to chat about your racing career, dude.
0: Oh man, huge fan. I've uh, been listening since you guys came out, so uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show.
1: Yeah, well let's let's dip into it, dude. Um, me and Frankie were chatting and. So for the reference, I I don't know, like I've never hung out with you really besides kind of just knowing each other and seeing you at the track. And so I went on and did some research on Corey West. And holy hell, bro, like I um <laughs> dude, you've raised a ton of shit. So I had no idea all this stuff that that you've raised, and we'll get into that a little bit, but the the cool thing to me is your flat track background. Um, your pops raced, your grandpa owned a dealership. I read so let's talk about that a little bit because Frankie and I we, we don't know a heck of a lot about your flat track or your amateur career in general. So, uh, take us through that how you got started and maybe uh leading up to your pro stuff like what 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 kept you busy in the amateur ranks?
0: Well, I mean, it all started PW 50, four years old. Uh, my dad got me one of them when I was a kid for Christmas. And then, you know, I kind of rode those for a little while, but uh, didn't do a ton of racing until I got older. Um, but like I said, or like you said, my dad raced, uh, my great uncles raced. I have one great uncle that's the AMA Hall of Famer, uh, off-road rider. And then the other one was a uh, factory BSA flat track racer and road racer. So like his, his name was Robert Winters. Uh, the one in the hall of fame is Leroy Winters. And then their dad was the one that had the dealership. He had a Harley triumph and Schwinn bicycle dealer in the late forties. So we've always had motorcycles in the family and I've always thought they were super cool, but I kind of grew up with my mom when I was a kid. And then, uh, when I turned like 10 years old, I moved in with my dad, we came up to Arkansas and, uh, I don't know i was just always the the kid riding on the back of the street bikes with his dad and then once i kind of got old enough to i was always a runt so he bought me like an xr80 when i was you know old enough to kind of hold the thing up and start shifting gears but that thing flung me down the driveway once and i was like screw that thing keep playing baseball with my buddies and then uh but yeah once i got older could touch the ground on some stuff, went to a couple races, and the bug hit me pretty hard. So, um, yeah, we just kind of decided that uh, street bikes were cool. Um, I got a 250 Ninja, and Northwest Arkansas is just like full of super curvy roads. So, years of riding on the back with my dad, got my own street bike. Uh, Arkansas, you can have a 250 or smaller when you're 14. And so, was just like a little street squid, just shredding it up, and then uh, did some track days, and then it all just kind of led to the racetrack, and then my dad kind of just intervened and was like, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to go flat-tracking first. And I knew jack squat about flat-track racing, but uh, other than just going to races, Oklahoma City half miles when I was a kid, and and, uh, yeah, first flat-track race was like some little podunk rodeo arena over in Tulsa
2: it's pretty crazy man I mean we Corey before before the show like before we we had you on the line we were talking about how you're kind of like the jack of all trades and it obviously now it makes a lot more sense you know it comes for your family you know you got you had a you know uncles that were flat track racers and off-road racers and so it kind of makes a lot of sense now that you know you're the jack of all trades i mean you're a flat tracker a road racer um you do like uh, dual sport uh, adventure riding froggy moto tours um so it, it's pretty cool man like i both of you know me being a west coast guy and you were always like a little bit ahead of me as far as like our rankings went you know when i was club racing you were already racing you know you're already racing with the big dogs and you know i kind of looked up to you in a way because you were one of the fast guys and uh but yeah it's it it all makes sense now he answered a lot of questions that Corey and i had you know where it came to be for you to be this kind of like i said jack of all trades you just kind of ride everything um but like take us into your like you know because i think the Corey west that everybody knows and loves is like the m4 like i feel like you rode for m4 for a while like you really made your mark there and like I, every time I think of Corey West, I think of one thing. It's that video of I believe it's you, Eslick, Tommy Aquino, and Josh Aaron doing the uh, doing the uh, the the wheelies. I forget what track it was. At, the D.M.X.
0: Uh, wheelie. The D.M.X. wheelie. The Rough Rider wheelies. Yeah, dog. So I mean,
2: take us back to those years. I mean, you got a lot of cool years riding, riding. You know uh 600 and you know the in ama and dsb and stuff like that i mean take us a little bit through that you know there was a, you wrote for a lot of cool teams you wrote for the Mill hunter team uh that was pretty sweet you know m4 you wrote a bureau to ebr
0: yeah beggars can't be choosers <laughs>
1: um
0: yeah i mean shit it goes way back i mean Started club racing, riding two strokes. When I turned 16, uh, a guy put me on a TZ250 to start doing AMA national stuff. Uh, High sided a bunch of those. And then uh, <laughs> got on a 600 for a little while. And that's when I started doing like the Form of the USA series, which was uh, also the dirt track stuff. They did like a grand national series in like 02. 03, I went to Spain, raced the 600 over there came back in 04 and then it was just me and my pop we we chased the superbike championship and uh rode 1000s for like three years and then after the 1000 phase was kind of over we jumped on a 600 and that's kind of when I started to get fast I would say like that's when that's when people started figuring out who I was and and started making a name for myself was when I got on the 600s and so yeah, first opportunity was uh mill funner team on R6. Uh, Chuck Giacchetto that kind of runs the Westby racing team in Moto America. He helped me out with, with uh, my 1000 for a couple of years and then just kind of threw out the what do you think about getting on a 600 and uh, didn't really know what to think. But we went down to Daytona in October. I jumped on this R6 and was like, man, this thing is slow. And uh, it was just way easier to ride than a 1000 and just kind of started ringing its neck. And then uh, had some good showings that year and landed myself an M4 ride for the next year. Was big ballin', you know, had a semi-truck, paid gig. It was so cool. And uh, got a couple good top fives, landed my first podium, uh, Utah. And then that was like, oh eight, that was the end of AMA Pro Racing. And then it all switched into DMG, they ton of motorsports group, they ton of sport bike stuff, which I went from having an M4 ride in 08 and then going back to racing Wira in 09. So, took a little step back, which was kind of a bummer. Um, you know, the recession hit people pretty hard, but uh, Vez Suzuki picked me up. I had two sprint bikes that I got to use 600 and 1000. Uh, Suzuki was paying four classes back then, contingency money. so if you did good, you went all races one weekend, you could pocket six Gs. And then uh, I also got to race endurance with the Vezer boys, too, on the big number one bike. So got a lot of experience with those guys. And then they wanted to get out of Wera. We moved up to uh, the Daytona sport bike class in 2010. And that's when shit really kind of took off. So 2010, 2011 with Vezra and then 13, 14 with the EBRs and yeah, it was
1: wild ride. Man, I have a lot. Okay, so we just jumped probably a decade (laughs) of your career, and I got two big ones that I wanna I wanna rewind to. Um Yeah, I hope MILF Hunter is one of them. Yes. So (laughs) we'll get to that immediately. What what the fuck is MILF Hunter racing? I've never heard of that ever. So sean
0: reese is the guy's name he was a porn guy <laughs> and uh i i met him at the uh big trade show the indie trade show or whatever it was and i was actually working for hot bodies racing at the time so i i had to like work i didn't come from a family with a ton of money and so like If I had a sponsor and he was helping me out, like, hey, man, can you put me to work in between rounds? So I ended up moving to California and I was working for Hot Bodies and this and that. I ended up driving their trade show truck all the way out to Indy for the February trade show. Was not loving life. It was miserable and kind of was wandering around that whole show and then ran into Sean. I remember seeing him at the road race paddock and we kind of started bullshitting and partied one night and he was like, dude, I want to spot answer you and i was like i think this guy has money like let's give it a go and sure (laughs) shit milf hunter team hunter racing the next where did he come up
1: with that like what is i mean i know what milf hunter is obviously but like was that a website (laughs) he was like
0: yeah he he was the milf hunter so uh that was his porn alias which is crazy but uh Uh, He kind of got in some trouble for doing some stuff in the paddock the the years before me, and so when the AMA found out that they were going to sponsor me, they like cracked the whip on him, was like, hey man, you can't be doing none of this crazy shit, and so um, it was all good. He kept it it, uh, PG-13 all year, and we just put our heads down and, (laughs) and worried about motorcycles.
1: Where is Chambers okay. right now, Frankie, when we need him to tell oh, him God. about Milf Hunters <laughs> racing, dude? He would lose his mind. That no, is I'm awesome.
2: He's going to episode. It's gonna be on Google.
1: <laughs> what is this website? Man, I've never heard of Milf Hunters ever. Like, I've never heard of that race team. Um, Damn, that's awesome. That's- <laughs> it was kind of a... It was kind of a one-and-done deal. But <laughs>
2: Team Hunter, I remember that, man. I think the bike was like it was like baby blue and camos,
0: too. Yeah, it was like a baby blue camo. It was sick.
1: Yeah, it was pretty
2: rad. And then okay. I think the
0: guy also had a
2: website because I was a, I was a young child. Oh, you Very were on curious, the website, young, dog. <laughs> young teenage boy, so I was curious. And then I also remember bikebabes.com is the same dude, and he was like, just had sport bikes and like would just be. I mean, I remember that there was a couple episodes of AMA, like AMA road races. This guy's like pulling chicks and doing what porn stars do with them.
1: So, yeah,
2: yeah, it, good times. Sounds
1: awesome like a you, sounds like a team that like s like would ride for. Like, sign me up, dude. Milf hunters racing. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. So anyway, Mill percent awesome. Got the backstory on that. I was, I definitely had my mind going when I heard that, but you also got my mind going when you talked about the Formula USA flat track series. Um, that was like pretty legit, man. A- as legit as they come, like for instance, one year for those listening, Chris Carr, he made his, like the series he focused on the Formula USA series. And then the races that didn't conflict with Formula USA, for like what american flat track is now he went and did he went and did those grand nationals but he pretty much focused i think it was a whole season on that formula usa series so it was legit top guys did it uh it, there was like a 450 class i don't know the other classes involved but i remember actually now you posted something about that series maybe like within the last year where didn't you podium one of the one of the races and that's in that formula usa series no, I didn't podium any, of the, uh, podium any of the dirt track stuff. I, I might have won a couple of, like,
0: LCQs and put it in a couple main events, but uh, it was super rad. To win. Mean, as Yeah, I mean, I didn't do a ton of dirt track racing when I was young, you know, just kind of, I mean, I run into the s Those were the first kids I ever met at the racetrack, racing flat track, and so... That was the guy I had to beat. You know, I showed up on an XR100 not knowing what the hell, just falling over like crazy. And I see this kid with a KX80 and a tie-down strap lowering the rear down, just running circles around people. I'm like, oh, God, I got to beat that? Like, oh, my God. But, uh, (laughs) I mean, we we turned into bros. And then, like, my dad got me some good bikes. We had a 97 CR125 and 250 and uh so we like won the amateur nationals down here and then got to go to amateur nationals at indy uh i want to say that was like 99 or 2000 or something but um after that like i kind of got my hands on a rotax and was kind of riding the taxes for a while but like those things were crazy so i never really got along with those but i did like a couple of half mile formula usa races or no i did Manzanita and Phoenix on a half mile. And then I did Del Mar on that road tax. And it was just like eye-opening experience from you know a clay short track rider to freaking wide open at Del Mar in the cushion. But uh yeah, when the Formula USA Grand National series came out, it was like half road race, half third track. And then that's when like the 450s came out too. And I was a DTX rider, so it was just like, oh well I can ride one of these this is easy and so we did yeah we did like New Hampshire Rochester half mile which was a cushion um put it in the main event and I'm like battling with Schnabel and Willie McCoy and Pegram and just like all these dudes that I have gone and watched as a kid now I'm lining up against them it's like this is nuts but you know did all right was battling with some of those guys occasionally but uh Miles seemed to to suit me better like I could I could draft and I had corner speed like I yeah I won my heat race at Sacramento mile that's what it was so I qualified second right next to Terry Pooby on the front row for this 450 race and just like losing my shit and uh I hole shot and I led like the whole first lap of the race and I ended up going backwards we didn't turn our tire around we didn't know any better but uh I beat Brian Smith to win that heat race it was pretty rad
2: Dude, that's pretty cool,
0: man. You beat Brian Smith on, on, on a,
2: at Sacramento Mile. Like, not a lot yeah. of people can say that.
0: <laughs> that's Draft not, his ass. That's not, some, that's not
2: something that a lot of people can have in their, have in their arsenal. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, funny thing yeah. about that, that story that you were telling about riding the Rotax at Del Mar, that being, like, one of your first races. One of my very first time I ever raced a Rotax, was at Del Mar, and I had the same exact feelings about it because I was like 13, and and you know I just raced 85s, and and then now I'm getting on a 600 Rotax, and I like know nothing about framers, and you know those things are old, and you know those are you know my dad raced this bike, like what? Why am I riding this thing? This thing gonna work? I want to ride my motocross bike, but man, Unpopular that's, that's pretty opinion, cool.
1: Man, like that I get in flat track is I'm not a Rotax guy and everybody that races flat track, they love the Rotax, and I'm just like, eh, I just never really liked them, like, they're just Um, sluggish turds, like, I don't know, man, I know I'm gonna get hammered.
0: It was so weird for me, because I always rode motocross bikes that were low, DTX bikes, you know,
1: and so I get on
0: this framer, I think it was, like, a night frame, something, it was fast, it was super fast, but, like, you know it had one of those fiberglass seats and the fiberglass tank that was all angled and shit and then there was this like super rad two inch gap that your nuts would fall right in Uh if you screwed up (laughs) on the tank and then like Delmar was so rough I remember knocking the tire off the bead I hit a hole so hard in turn one in the main event knocks the tire off the bead I do the last two laps with a flat rear tire and just like crunched my nuts so hard and like when the checkered comes out i'm just like thank god i'm about to fall off this motorcycle i come into the pits and there's like the giant pavement in front of the grandstands and my dad's like way to go bro and he like grabs the bike and i just like literally fell off the motorcycle (laughs) he's like what happened i'm like my my nuts (laughs) i fucking crunched them so hard (laughs) so yeah del mar no thanks not again
2: Damn, dude. Yeah, that's, uh, those are taxes, man. They're not for everybody, but I do wish (laughs) I had one sitting in my garage. I'll tell you
0: that right now. Yeah, I definitely get them lot to go again,
2: but. Yeah. I mean, especially now, like, you know, you you do a lot of Texas tornado stuff and like do a lot of dirt track stuff. Probably be cool now that we're older and understand how those things are supposed to work. And, you know, it'd be, be rad to, to get one again, but, uh, we all know how difficult they are to find. But, uh, dude, so, I mean, let's just jump right into it. I mean, you're a bagger guy. We're bagger guys, dude. (laughs) It's sweet. You just got back from, we couldn't record with you last week because, uh, you know, you were traveling to Sonoma for the BRL race and, you know, um, but dude, let's talk about that. I mean, I know how cool it's been for me in my life and like how thankful and grateful I am for it. But I mean, what does it mean to you? Cause we're, you know, you were there at the first one, and, and uh, you, you've been a part of it ever since, you know, as I have. Been. And, and you know, what, what's it mean to you? How, how's all that going in your life? Oh, man, it
0: was just kind of happened chance that it, it just fell in my lap, you know. Uh, Michael Woolaway was building the bike for Saddleman, and then he kind of hit me up and was like, hey, man, I know this other team is building the bike, and they need a rider do you want to ride one of these things and I was like shit man I got nothing else going on let's give it a go so uh I rode the Sly Fox bike at Laguna for the first time and it still had like your feet were in front of you and the seat was really low and I just remember flogging that thing finally got to where I could like back the thing in a little bit into the corkscrew but then you jerks would just like ride around the outside of me and like give me the thumbs up like you're doing great it's like dude you guys are doing like eight seconds a lot Ryan. faster than me <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it was fun and then i realized right then and there like that whole group of people that whole side of the industry that i know nothing about are way friendlier than the road race paddock and like there's a ton of money in that industry too so like I don't know. It was a cool scene and I thought it had a lot of potential and, uh, yeah, it turns out I ended up getting to ride a better one this year. And honestly, I've been enjoying riding those things. I mean, I 18 year old me, if I would have told 18 year old me, Hey man, later in your life, you're going to ride baggers. Like, yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, I'm having fun. These old wobbly 600 pound things are pretty fun to ride. So, dude, so,
2: <laughs> I just want to add on to this because, right, because right. i I was watching, I watched the the BRL race. I was I was at Chuck Waller racing this weekend, but I watched the BRL the broadcast, and and you had a pretty good run in that main event, um, you know, till the last lap. I mean, oh, it was it. a little rundown. <laughs> Yeah, the part, the part where you blew it. I just want to get your two cents on the situation.
0: Well, all right. So Shane Narbonne's riding the Trask bike. It's turbocharged. Well, I've been around them damn turbo bikes enough to know that you need to be in front of it because you get stuck behind them and there's nothing you can do because they're fast. So, like, he gets the whole shot. He started on pull. I duck in behind him. He kind of pulls away a little bit. And then I start feeling my flow. I catch him. I see where I'm faster and I follow him for a little bit. I'm like, well, I think I'm going to go for it. And so I just like stuffed him in the carousel, tried to build a, you know, gap was pushing, pushing, pushing. The bike felt awesome. was hitting my marks, no sweat. And then like towards the last lap, they didn't give us a halfway flag. So I'm like trying to remember how many laps we've done. And I'm like, man, throw the white flag already. And, uh, as I come through the chicane one lap I kind of run wide run wide and then we get into the last corner and I run super wide so I'm pushing the front around that's like not sticking as good as it was earlier in the race and of course I run super wide in that last turn I look up there's the white flag flying I'm like oh shit and so I try to get it back together and like put my head down and I was way stronger in that first half of the, of the lap than Shane was. So I tried to just hit my marks. And then coming off that back straight, I was grabbing two downshifts. So I grabbed my two downshifts. I let the clutch out and it only took one downshift. And so it kind of spit me off into the corner a little faster than I needed to. I grabbed that downshift a little late. I turned in, there was oil dry because we had like three freaking big oil spills that weekend. So I'm out in the oil dry, just, like, pushing the front and watching chain roll right underneath me. I'm like, just, just hand it to him. All right. So Racked I got a big up. old run. I got a big old run through the S's, and, like, I was like, I could maybe just do one more last corner lunge on the guy if I get a good run. And so squared him up, got a pretty good drive, went for the lunge, and I was like, we're going to scatter bags if this happens. So I just kind of ducked back in. It was a bummer. But everyone said, "Hey man, all you got to do is finish second to wrap up the championship." So, that's what I did, and it turns out, he won the championship. So, lame.
1: <laughs> I uh dude, that's what I was going to get to, man. I uh I saw like a press release that that they had the points tallied up and I I guess I didn't I don't know, but I would assume they awarded you the number 1 plate and then they they uh t- they took it away once they re recalculated the points I've never seen anything like that dude it's like that's crazy that what were your like it's, it's not funny but it's like I, how did they t- super <laughs> professional it's, just, it's crazy to me like so it so is you, funny so you took the plate home and then they called up and I'm like ah dog we rechecked the points and you actually didn't win it like that's yeah that-
0: so for like two days like so we celebrate we take the photos we win the championship i'm drinking champagne we're having fun and then like so the next day we're dick around san francisco and then i get on my flight yesterday get to my first connection in uh houston or whatever rob us on the phone call me back so i call him and he's like hey man um shane narbonne wins the championship not you and i'm like wait a minute what and um yeah i was like all right well at least it wasn't for any money or anything or i'd be pissed buzzkill (laughs) yeah god (laughs) like you're not getting your number one plate back though that one's
2: mine (laughs) Yeah, that was mine you better make another one yeah damn dude that's heartbreaking that is heartbreaking well i mean i didn't know what
0: the points look like and then they you know they got this points rundown that just looks super amateur And so then I look at all these other championships that have point structures and I'm like, well, going by theirs and theirs and theirs, I would have won by one or two points, but we tied with their structure. If you knew that
1: going into that last corner, would you have stuck the lunge? Hell yeah, to knock this turbo off. (laughs) (laughs) Just for future reference,
2: bag on bag bumper cars is a move. Yeah. it's a whole move ask ask like he hates my bags yeah. i got him at, i got him at road america this year really good i went off the track on the start into the dirt and then used my bag to scoot him over on his bag so i can come back on the asphalt and then i got him in turn two <laughs> at Laguna to start again with it again so yeah just bumper cars dude that's what this is figure yeah. it out
0: i mean it's it's wild when you go putting wheels in there because you're like oh wait a minute i've got like Four feet of ass back here. I gotta
1: remember about. so Yeah. Oh man. They're big. They're big girls. I love watching the baggers stuff. Like when Moto America comes on, it's it's almost sad, and I don't I don't even know if I should admit this, but like I I don't really pay attention to much other than the baggers. I mean, I lie. I watch the other racing. I'm a fan, but I okay. I get way more excited when the baggers come out. I'm like all right, everyone quit talking. Like, it's like the main event's coming out. <laughs> like, let's go. Um, I love it. I think it's cool, man. I've, I've, I talk about it on the pod a lot and I've actually got, I've gotten probably, man, I probably have gotten two or three. Uh, I don't know if they're offers, but I've had people that were like, are you serious about the bagger? Like maybe we, I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know how serious <laughs> I actually am. I think I'm just talking shit, but if you showed up with a bagger and it had big 65s on the side and like a case of land shark and the saddlebags, you're damn right. I'd ride that thing. Uh, but <laughs> I'm sure it wouldn't be pretty, but nah, dude, I, that, yeah, I, I love the bagger stuff. I, I wanted to get kind of get back on, I don't know, back to like the Moto America stuff that you've done or AMA. I don't know. It was AMA pro racing, but Daytona 200. I, what are you runner up? How many times T- twice three three times okay three. damn three times runner-up to Cal Naughton <laughs> really destroyed your life Cal Naughton Jr <laughs> yeah <laughs> just made silver ain't bad bro. silver <laughs> ain't bad okay so three-time runner-up in the Daytona 200 uh two-part question what does that um, event mean to you Why? well three-part why have you done so well there and what are your thoughts on the, the Moto America kind of bringing it back to like a higher level uh this this coming season well
0: uh so one of my great uncles actually won the lightweight 250 race back in like 66 or something so when they first started going to the speedway my family's got history there so that's why i've always liked that place and then my first like pro race as a 16 year old i went down there during aprilia cup races on little two stroke 250s and put it on the box so i've always done pretty good there um i think it's all the drafting it's not a super technical track you just got to know how to push you know and draft and break really hard so um yeah what was the other part of the question uh three times runner up that kind of sucks but Rode my ass off in all of them. Um, you know, I'm kind of one of those guys that's never really gotten to ride the fast shit. I've always just kind of like gotten opportunities to ride something and I just ride the wheels off of it. And sometimes I know that maybe I'm not going to be able to win this. I'm just going to give it what I got. So first year, Bezer Suzuki. Um, that was the year. is 2011. Tires were chunking. Like they had just repaved the the tri the whole super speedway and so we had this debacle I was kind of not really on the pace and then we all had to come in and change tires and shit and so I went back out they made it like a 10-lap sprint and I was like all right well I'm back in this thing let's go for it and uh, kind of led up towards the front basically the whole race and then uh, had a crazy move down in the chicane on the last lap two guys come by me I let them blow the corner. I get a hell of a drive. I know you're not supposed to lead it out of the chicane, but these guys are blowing it, so I'm going to go for it. There's a lapper up there to draft, so I get a good drive. I'm drafting this lapper. I go low, and then the Salvo comes by on this damn 848 like he's been riding half throttle all race and then just uncorks it and just blows by me. I'm like, well, second it is, so... Got second that year and then came back, what was it, 2017, I guess. Um, I rode for TSE racing, a little little team out of Wisconsin. Uh, They put me on an R6. And uh, I ran second basically the whole race. And then the last stint, Essex leading it. He's got like a six-second lead on me. And... You know, it's an 18 lap sprint basically in that third stint to try to get to the finish. And uh, the whole time I'm just like pushing, pushing, pushing. I got to catch this guy, got to catch this guy. And then I catch this guy, and there's like four laps to go. And I hadn't planned that far ahead. I was just like, well, shit, I can't believe I caught him. Now what? (laughs) So <laughs> we hadn't really thought about it that much. I thought I was gonna have to push as hard as I could to catch him all the way to the finish. And so now I almost think he slowed down and just waited for me. So like we come off the back straightaway, and I'm just like full tilt boogie with my buddy Danny that I've been racing flat track with my whole life. But I'm so focused, 25 grand to win. And I like just have you know, I pull up beside Eslick on the back straightaway, and I just have this feeling. And I look to my left, and he's just staring at me, giving me the thumbs up. <laughs> like, that's my boy. All right. So, uh, yeah, we just kind of battled it out there on the last lap, and I could tell that he didn't want to lead it. And we got into the infield, and there were some lappers, and I was like, screw it, man. I'm going to go for it. And so I was stronger in the infield. We come out on the, out on the banking, and, like, he kind of reeled up on me. I ripped through the chicane as fast as I could and so my plan that I put together on that last lap was like okay I know he's going to try to draft me so I went up to the wall I hung it on the wall for way longer than you should and then I dove all the way down to the apron and just tried to do one big move to break the draft but as we were like out on the flat I look over my shoulder and he's just like slowly motoring past me I'm like god So I tried try to dug back in his draft and, you know, .02. I lost two Daytona 200s by .02. Uh,
1: Damn. Yeah, I – uh, man, yeah.
2: yeah. I got a question here.
1: I don't to This say. is just uh,
2: – so you and I are going to Daytona this year. I don't know if you plan on going to race baggers in Daytona. But if you just say we're both there, we're racing Daytona, it's you and I, one, two on the last lap. You coming out of that chicane first or second?
0: Well, I'm drafting you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've learned. Well, you I mean,
1: I'm a big boy. Yeah, I'm looking for ball. that
0: that fastest trap speed of all baggers on that toe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, so he learned a lesson. Okay, I was going to say, man, your out. game plan, all these seconds, I almost felt bad, all the three second place finishes, and every time you've let it out of the chicane, <laughs> it's like, come
0: on. Well, okay, when I rode with Eslick, like, that race, that was my, I could have won that one, but I sized them up a couple times, he led it a couple times, and I got good drives coming out of the chicane, and I could not beat him to the finish line. Like, I tried it. I tried it two or three times, and I was like, man, I don't. I just didn't have the the power on top.
1: I don't like think I've seen was... anybody win it. Like, I'm sure. I'm sure I'm wrong, but has anybody won it out of the chicane? Like, I've always seen kind of the leader go from like if they're leading it out of out of the chicane. Like, I've seen Barney and some other guys go from like first to like six. Oh, Pasquarello, he won it out out of the chicane. Yeah, yeah that, that bike was a missile. Was though it's bad. like you just
0: got to know what you got under you. And yeah, I knew I didn't have one that was going to be able to pass him to the finish line. So, that's and the, the only times the that I could was if I let it out of the chicane, he drafted by me. I got back in his draft Double and draft. then, and yeah, you know, so yeah. it was kind of one of them things. I had one card to play and I played it
1: and come well, up short. Part of that question initially was uh Moto America coming back to, uh, and bringing that, that event back. Like, is that, are you stoked about that? Are you? Are, and are you doing it? Like, are you going to compete in the two hundred? Well, man, I didn't even plan on doing it this year, and I
0: got a call on Monday, and there I was on Wednesday riding somebody's R six. So, I mean, I know my way around. I know I can still go fast if the opportunity arises. I'll, I'll definitely jump on it because the purse is the that's the best paying race all year. So um but yeah moto america taking it over it's bound to help it out i mean it's been kind of a club race minus a handful of guys the last few years and and that's kind of been the sketchiest part of that whole race i mean daytona is daytona it's it's got its quirks but like you throw dudes out there that qualified in the two minute range and we're doing like 48s 49s it is scary man you catch these guys and you're going like Fifty miles an hour faster than them, and then you catch them like every three laps. It's it's like I'm pretty sure I
1: did like, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure we were doing like two o fives on the on the XR twelve hundreds or two like they were low twos. Um, and those things are like still people doing that on That's crazy. Golly, yeah, that's that's crazy. And you
0: know, it's like the guys that have done it enough, you start. Using that lap traffic to your advantage. If you're the first one to it, which Eslick is really good at that, he sees the lappers coming, puts a couple moves on some dudes in the infield. You get stuck behind three or four of them, and then yeah, it's like sometimes that's all you need to make a break.
2: A good old Daytona, man. I'm excited to go back there this year. It's gonna be fun. I haven't been there since like 2012, so almost 10 years. And I was definitely one of those guys that was like in the, the, the like high fifties range. So yeah. Talk some shit. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, I mean, I, I wanted to ask you, and it's something I've like always meant to ask you about. Um, but tell, tell us about Froggy's moto tours. Dude. This something you've been doing for a long time. And, you know, I know you've been doing it, you know, for, for a while, for a little while, but then I read like this press release, um, I was looking for some information on you today and I read this press release and you mentioned it and it was from like 2017 or something like that. So like you've been doing it longer than, than I thought you have, but tell us about that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, so I was riding for Eric Buell's company, EBR and uh, working for them too up in Wisconsin. And then when his company shut down in 2015, it happened in like April. So I didn't have any racing plans I didn't have anything going on once I was laid off so I came home back to Arkansas filed unemployment I bought me an old pickup truck a canoe and a dual sport bike and just like spent the whole summer just outside you know couldn't find me I was out of cell service so uh I just went exploring on this dual sport bike and like I live in a, an amazing place with just gobs of dirt roads. And so started doing some exploring, looking for waterfalls and stuff. And then I started finding all these cool dirt roads. And then uh, long story short, I went to Costa Rica with all the Texas Tornado Bootcamp guys, uh, Jake Johnson, Colin Edwards, and the other instructors. And uh, we went down there to go do a dual sport adventure paid money to rent these bikes. We're going to do like 4 days down there uh with a guide and all this stuff. Well, we show up and the bikes were crap. The guide didn't speak English. He gets us lost on the 3rd day in the jungle. We end up hiking out, ditch the bikes, just like it was a terrible experience. So the whole way home I'm thinking, "Man, if people are willing to pay money to come down to Costa Rica and ride crap roads and crap motorcycles, surely they'd be down to like ride a good bike on some better roads right here in the U S. So, I I mean, I, my mind was set. I went to the bank, borrowed some money and started buying old XRs. I bought some XR 400s and a couple XR two fifties and like made them street legal and started doing tours and by God, people started showing up. It was crazy. So, uh, fast forward to now, uh, I'm a destination Yamaha rental location. Uh, got three different kinds of bikes to rent um yeah and I just do tours all over the state it's it's pretty fun um you know racing can't go on forever and uh I kind of feel like I've given up on it a few times and then I needed something to do with my time and it's really pretty here I still like riding dirt bikes so that's kind of what I started doing
1: that's badass yeah I, I looked in that a little bit too and I remember Jake telling me about that Costa Rican trip and just leaving your bikes in the jungle and hiking out it's like dude i he's probably he's probably told me that story two or three times and it never gets old so that's that's badass man good i mean yeah it's good to have things that kind of fall back on and keep you busy especially early to mid to late 30s i don't know how old you are exactly but i know you're probably you got to be similar in age to me maybe a couple years older um but yeah 37 We're getting 30, up there 37 all right so you got a few years on me but I got a couple more questions for you uh, I don't know which one I want to get into first I guess I'll go back go back to some flat track stuff I've heard a rumor that at amateur nationals maybe like 1999 <laughs> or 2000 uh Mike Meese which is Jared's dad and your dad, got a little heated, man. I, I didn't get this. anything else on the story, but I, I I heard that. So what what was the Amateur Nationals, man? And the, what was that what was that story? All right. So um,
0: we go to Amateur Nationals after winning our little South Central Amateur Nationals. So I'm riding my 125, my 250 DTX bikes. Show up to Lawrenceburg Speedway, this little shithole short track out in the boonies or whatever Indiana. and uh dry slick yeah dry slick flat as a pancake and uh i'm just like blown away at all these little kids like i was only 14 or 15 or whatever but i was like a foot taller than everybody it seemed like and so um i remember not making it out of the heat race i had to go win my semi and so I won my semi. I'm starting on the back row of the main event. And, but luckily I'm like second row, but I'm on the groove. And so I think it was like Mees and some other dudes up there on the front row. Well, they say go, I got a killer launch and I like poke it into third on the first lap. And so I'm just like right there in the mix. I'm working on the guy in second. I get him out of the way. And it's like a little blue groove, dry slick notch down on the bottom. So Jared and me, and he's kind of running a little bit higher on the groove and just keeps lighting the thing up off the corner while I just kind of keep rolling the bottom and rolling the bottom. And he finally just like lights that thing up a little too much and I just like poke it right up under him, make the pass, win the short track race from the back row. Me and my dad are just like stoked, a couple honkies from Arkansas. And so <laughs> that just like puts this giant bullseye on my back. So the next day is like the TT, And you know, like dirt track dads, they only give you so much practice, but we're going to try to get as much practice as we can. So you don't have a front or no, it must've been the short track day. So yeah, you go out, you do like three laps or whatever. You can't even tell if the gearing's right. And so my dad's like, get back in line, get back in line. Well, my dad is a roughneck iron worker, cut off sleeveless shirt, just like ready to throw down at any time. And I'm just like super quiet, total opposite. So yeah, I turn brother. around, and he's, he's just, like, pushing me back into the practice line. Well, me and Jared, were like, bumping into each other. Well, Jared's dad's there, this big old dude with this big old beard. And then my dad, who's just, like, ready to throw down. So we keep running into each other. And so his dad says something to my dad, and my dad mouths off. And just, like, you know, everybody's around because we're all trying to get back out. And I can't remember what his dad said. And my dad just basically goes, Why don't you? Oh, God. Is this? I'll do the PG 13 version, I guess. He's like, Why don't you bump that hairy, chinny, chin, chin off of these? nuts (laughs) nuts <laughs> just like <laughs> just like loud as shit in front of everybody and I swear it just like got silent everybody just like yes. turned and looked. I'm just like oh my god I can't believe this uh, and so yeah, yeah. but we um, ended up winning the short track that night and then the TT was just like full on I just kept getting t-boned by everybody I think me and Jared crashed each other out for like fourth on the last lap and
1: yeah it was pretty funny I'm air punching the so hard <laughs> right now. I'm Dude, so I'm happy
0: off that story right now.
1: That's sweet. <laughs>
0: oh, it's like God. Jake Johnson's favorite story. He loves telling that one. Oh, that's that's but, uh yeah. Yeah, you know, my, <laughs> my dad never took no shit. So like, yeah, that's what we got as amateurs, fourteen years old. <laughs>
1: damn i want to have your dad on the pod next man we want to do eventually we want to do like a like a dad like um like famous dads like uh, like like mike meese uh your like your dad would be perfect it sounds like ed johnson willie Halber. we've talked about it a lot about bringing like the dads on barry bauman barry bauman (laughs) yeah there's so many hell
0: your dad frankie
2: your dad's hilarious oh yeah oh yeah my dad my dad's gold man that guy's got he don't care what he says and everything he says is hilarious he's cooler than i am
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's what most people say about my dad too dude your dad is so cool
1: (laughs) yeah i'm just trying to keep up up with him (laughs) hopefully they say that about me with my kid it's like your dad's awesome (laughs) um man yeah that's that's yeah that that hyped me up um yeah I I, couple, I I got one more question for you. then I'll let Frankie kind of finish one off and then we'll do the high low line. but I, I got a hype reading and I honestly forgot about it. And then when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, you wrote the Buell and you mentioned it on the, you know, in one of your earlier stories, but I'm actually a big Buell guy. My My dad's dealership, we were like one of the first dealerships to sell Buell. Uh, I want to say it was like the early 90s, but we were like, Yeah. One of the first dealerships to sell Buell. We were like a top 10 Buell dealer for probably four or five years. They gave out like a Buell Pegasus award for selling the most Buells. And I still kind of keep in touch with Eric Buell from a little bit here and there, but I, like I raced a Buell, my dad raced a Buell, Uh big Buell guy. So what I'm getting at, but (laughs) how was that thing, man? Cause I know reading back on it back in the day, it had, a ton of power and the rules packages were kind of goofy with the buell compared to the other bikes but what were your thoughts on the buell and i think like i saw you rode one in china like you have like <laughs> random shit that you've done your, in your career but <laughs> i'm like wait you rode an american bike in china that is awesome um but anyway talk about the buell man and your experiences on that thing so my
0: first opportunity to ride one of those things was the 1125. And so that wasn't, that wasn't a Harley motor. It was a water-cooled Rotax motor. Oh, yeah. And um,
1: I but, have
0: one. Uh, I yeah, have one. Yeah. So, like, the year that Eslick won the championship on that 1125, that ride was basically – that seat was open, and it was between me, him, and Taylor Knapp. And um, Eslick ended up getting it. Nobody knew what the bike was going to do. Well, then it turns into, like, this – overdog and he wins the championships i'm like shoot myself in the foot but um later that year uh i was riding with bezra suzuki doing all that weird stuff well then eric put up this opportunity for me to ride the 1125 rr which is like their super bike version of that bike and um i don't really know the specifics of it but i got to ride the last round in new jersey and the thing was fast as shit like We were down some top speed, but like it had some power and it handled really good. It was like just fast enough to hang, but it handled really good. Most slow bikes do. So uh I ended up qualifying like eighth on the second row. That's when they still went four by four. So I'm like right behind Ben Bostrom on the factory Yamaha on and I'm on the second row and I'm like, this is crazy. And I ended up, you know, battling for like sixth or seventh throughout the race. I had the fastest segment one time uh, the coolest story I've got of riding one of those things was that Sunday morning before the race, the Sunday morning warm up, I go out and I'm riding, I'm riding. Well, uh, Maladin comes by me and I duck in behind Maladin coming out of the pits and I chase his ass for two laps. And I ended up, I'm like putting wheels in on Maladin. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this is happening right now. And, uh, I roll up through the last turn and like get this huge drive on Matt, and he just like pulls over to the side and gives me this look. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing here, bro. Get out my way. <laughs> but um, it's a shame that Harley shut Eric down because he was on the cusp of doing something really cool with that 1190. And if it wouldn't, have, if it would have come out in 2010 like he had planned, that bike would have killed it. But they shut him down, and it took him two, three years to gather things back up ebr comes out and then so did that 1190 and it was like it was already a little bit long in the tooth because the japanese moved so fast and i got to ride one uh, for two seasons but you know they just kept trying to make more and more power with the thing and when you try to make more horsepower some of those things it just makes them harder to ride so at certain tracks that thing was bitching like i got a fourth and super bike at laguna on it in 20. 13 which was like my best ride on that thing but it was awesome to ride or it was miserable to ride there was really like no in between with those things but eric's a cool guy and he, he made some crazy shit
2: yeah we definitely missed those ebr days that was so cool watching that big funky looking bike and everyone ripping on those things that was i think that was like the heyday of of road racing that was when everything was good um, well, I got I got one more question, and I think that we'd probably get a little bit of flack if we didn't ask about this during that year episode. But, dude, not only are you a badass racer and have this whole badass story, but you're also engaged to a chick that is not only a ripping fast road racer and badass motorcycle rider, but she's actually really hot too. Like, good for you, man! You've done everything that all of us have ever dreamed of. Good job how's that yeah, man. man? I mean, what's you guys, <laughs> what's guys' plans? She also raced, bat races baggers. She races hooligan bikes. You guys have won uh team races together. Um, what, what, what's what's going on with her and, and what are you guys' future plans for, for 2022?
0: Yeah. Besides I mean, getting married. Yeah. We're going to get married next November. Um, we kind of, we both had met each other at the racetrack before but then like um she came down to a Texas tornado boot camp and we we really hit it off and started bullshitting and then found out that she was living in tulsa which is not too far from northwest arkansas and so we started doing some mountain biking and stuff and yeah it's just kind of kept going from there but uh she's was already a pretty accomplished road racer when I met her. And uh, I've just been trying to help her get faster, you know, and the boot camps have helped her out a bunch, sliding the little mini bikes around and Um, I was actually going out to test the Saddleman bike at Chuckwalla and asked if I could bring her with me and maybe let her ride it one session, and uh, those guys were super stoked when I threw a leg over it, and then I was like, well, now you gotta let her ride it, and they were just like, well, I don't know about that, and she went out there and just gave zero fucks and just started passing people it was awesome never ridden the bagger before and everyone was just like jaw dropped like she was only maybe five seconds off of my my pace so um landed her ride so she's now the bagger chick she's been riding these baggers too so
2: queen of the bag yeah
0: she's queen of the baggers bagger chick yeah it's
1: pretty rad that's awesome yeah i saw i saw she did one of the races and then I looked up the results and she was like ahead of some really fast guys I'm like hell yeah brother that's awesome so uh, (laughs) good for you guys man that's cool that you guys can kind of do that together it's it's uh I don't know how I could take it like I I see Shane and Briar all the time and obviously Nicole and Jared and it's like the competitive the riding competitive competitiveness with like your chick I don't I think I'd probably be an asshole. Like, I'd be like, Oh, you got lucky or whatever. Like, it's like, yeah, that's cool though, man. It adds like a really cool aspect to your relationship. So yeah, definitely. Um, we'll keep it too much longer. We do a high low line every episode. I put together a couple ones that I don't know I thought would be fun to ask. Um, first one, who gets better hole shots on a bagger? You or Frankie?
0: Well uh I mean I've never gotten the whole shot, but uh I've never looked at well, my either. So <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn.
2: I looped it out and then in the main event, in the race, I led into turn one. So I don't wanna hear it. I Yeah.
1: I, I fixed my situation. <laughs> Sorry, Frank, you had to throw one on you there. <laughs> Dude,
2: Uh, people literally don't even come up to me anymore. They're like, they're like, oh yeah, Frankie, like you're the guy that looped the bagger out. I'm like, yeah, I'm not the guy that races baggers or hooligans. I'm just
1: the guy that looped the bagger out. Doesn't matter anything else in it. It was like funny, but at the same time, it was like that looked like it fucking hurt. (laughs) So it wasn't. Oh my god, those things are so big. I can't imagine. I told Breyer, I'm like, yo, Frankie just looped it the fuck over on the bagger. He's dude, like, I remember being in
0: pit lane, and they were like, we're all looking up there like, what, what happened? And yeah, he's like, we like, like, he just mean? looped it out. And I'm like, dude, there is no way in hell anybody's looping one of these things out. And they're like, no, <laughs> man,
1: that's exactly what happened. I'm like, I think he's was like, He's still laying down on the ground. He's like, really? Let me know like, if he's all right.
2: It was like two turtles laying on their back, me and the bike.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, I got a couple more. What? I don't even know if this is a fair one to ask, but I'm gonna get your opinion on it. What is, well, okay. What is gnarlier, Pikes Peak or Isle of Man? Well, I haven't done
0: Isle of Man. Right. Pikes Peak's gnarly, but Isle of Man's got a trump it all. I mean, that's, it's Pikes Peak's 12 and a half miles and Isle of Man's like 37 or something. And the average speed is like, what? The fast slaps like 136 average? mile an hour insane. i think pikes is like 90 maybe <laughs> i don't even think we break 100 so yeah yeah i mean pikes pikes is crazy but that was the only one i felt comfortable doing of all the crazy road races so but yeah, could yeah, done isle, of isle of man no she's done uh pretty the much northwest. everything but she's done the northwest she has the female record at the ulster grand prix and then she's done like armoy and something else over there
1: yeah, we're, yeah gonna take, uh, <laughs> we're, we're gonna take a tank slapping field trip to uh, Isle of man one of these days we're gonna we're gonna go check it out it's definitely one of the races i want to see I, I think it'd be absolutely terrifying but really i love to go watch
0: i just don't think i could i could do it not oh, not a shot. You just just watch some video and it's like oh my god no you know yeah not a shot
1: um <laughs> Well, you're a road race guy, but obviously you have some, some flat track background. And we didn't talk about the boot camp too much, but you're an instructor at Texas Tornado Boot Camp. We've had Colin Edwards on the show and talked about that a little bit. Uh, I see Jake, obviously Jake quite a bit, Jake Johnson, and you guys are good buds. And um, But my question, none of that is relevant to this question. I don't know where I got, was going with that. But who wins in a flat track I have race? another one. <laughs> flat track race, who wins, Rossi or Marquez? uh man
0: i'm probably gonna give it to marquez because i mean the dude seems pretty fearless i mean rossi maybe rossi in his prime versus marquez in his prime that would be a who knows i'm just gonna have to let him battle but yeah i don't I know man marquez
2: i've seen could
1: probably do it so like I, marquez did you see the video that dirt truck
0: yeah the video dirt
2: truck posted this week of valentino at the yeah. ranch
1: yeah, that, that's what I was getting yeah. at. Like, I just saw that video Dirk Shark posted with uh, Axel riding there, and McGrath, and, like, I know J.D. and Halbert, they've gone over to race Rossi's Ranch, and J.D. and Halbert are obviously two of the best. Like, they're phenomenal, and, and Rossi was fa- – like, I don't know if quite a bit faster is the term. I'd have to get J.D. on. I, I forget, but uh, obviously his home track, he, he, he beat he beat them. Like, he, he beat J.D. and Sammy – and then obviously Marquez, when, when he went over, or I'm sorry, when he had his event and Baker and, you know, Baker I think always kind of beat Marquez, but it was close, but Marquez beat Jared Neese. Um, Obviously, you know, they're Marquez's kind of deal as well. But what I'm getting at is both those guys on the four fifties at what they're good at, like that TT Rossi has or Marquez's little slippery short tracks they're both pretty freaking quick. Um so yeah i just they're said riders
0: man they're riders
1: it's hard they to say riders yeah uh i got one more for you i i changed this question around i i had it i had it worded one way and i talked to jake and he's like and he he kind of gave me the idea to change it around it was initially it was who has a faster who has the faster super i'm sorry super camp. <laughs> sorry colin who has the faster boot camp bike you were jake but then jake's like well both our bikes are kind of shitty so who's got the shittier boot camp bike you were jake
0: <laughs> uh seeing how mine is uh taken apart into a million pieces i'd say mine's the shittier one because i've been riding his but uh yeah his is slowly becoming the shittier one
1: <laughs> well i heard some guys have like cheater bikes and so some guys have the slower boot camp bikes so i wasn't sure wasn't sure where you ride yeah. the totem pole <laughs> I mean, so the first
0: time like I'm actually instructing down there, Joe P gives me this bike and he's like, yeah, man, this is a good bike. This has got a 150 kit in it or whatever, or you'll, you're going to dig this thing. And I'm like, all right. And so it looks like the seat has been gnawed on by an animal in the woods. All, all the blue plastic is like white from being looped out. You know, I'm just like, what is wrong with this thing? So I'm working on this pile of crap all weekend trying to make it run uh I end up high siding my brains out in the warm-up lap for Super pole, and I'm just like there is something wrong with this bike well me and Jake get that thing out later that night and the frame was broken like (laughs) where the swing arm pivot goes through the frame you know the bolt it had been loose for so long that it just like wallered this giant hole and the, the frame was broken like the the swing arm was moving in the bike. So, like, I kept complaining about it. Everyone's like, oh, don't be a bitch. But, like, yeah, I've definitely ridden the junkiest bike there for quite a while. <laughs> if <laughs> that, is that or, answers your question,
1: <laughs> the truth comes out. I love it. Yeah. And I, we gotta, yeah. we're, we gotta take a tank slap and another field trip to a uh, boot camp, Frankie, man. That's, definitely been i'd love that it's been one on my on my to-do list for probably like a decade now i'd love to come to it i think shana's done it right
0: yeah she came down with briar uh that was a good camp i've never seen two people ride two up
1: as fast as briar and jake
0: on a ttr 125 it was insane
1: (laughs) yeah it's kind of scary but uh how fast they can go
2: i've seen uh Jimmy Wood and Mikey Rush do a pretty good two-up. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it's incredible. We need to have more fun racing like that. There should be more crazy third track, just like random. All right, let's put two people on the bike,
1: see how fast you guys can go. Springfield Mile, exhibition. (laughs) Let's
0: let's just keep it on the short tracks.
1: (laughs) Every lap you have to switch. (laughs) Oh, man, without stopping. (laughs) Without stopping. Oh, God. Oh, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show, dude. It's It's been a long time coming. We'll, we'll have to get you on the future and definitely best of luck in whatever you got going. I'm sure I'll see you in Daytona. Um, You're, you're pretty much kind of, I don't know, like, it's just a yearly thing for Corey West. Show up in Daytona. It, it don't matter when you get the call. I was going to say, have you ever said no to a ride? Like, has anybody ever, hey, you want to ride this? Nah, I'm good. It seems like you pretty much are all in no matter what. Like, well,
0: Daytona. I mean anything can happen there's 25 G's on the line so might as well go down there and give it a shot I mean I went down there to ride a freaking like 05 CBR 600 one year and uh these guys you know they were like well we'll we'll give you two grand if the thing blows up but if you if it finishes and you make more than two grand then that's yours to keep or whatever I'm like all right cool and so I go out and the first session I lead practice in the very first session, I'm like, you guys, this bike ain't that bad. And they're like, dude, you got to slow down. I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, you got to slow down. You got to finish like outside the top five. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, it's not exactly legal. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you guys are out a cheater? Like... <laughs> oh that's but, uh, yeah i ended up blowing that thing up on like lap two so we didn't get very far grand. in the race yeah. <laughs> yeah i got my two grand so uh yeah, I know, you man. never you never
1: know Free to <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: you never know you gotta go down there and show up
1: well we'll probably like i said we'll probably see in daytona but otherwise man we'll, we'll we'll keep in touch and thanks for thanks for coming on the show
0: hey man thanks for having me on it was a blast
1: all right take it easy Yeah, better Corey. see you frankie What a show, Frank. That was, that was awesome, man. That was some good stuff,
2: dude, bro. We have some fun, dude. I like it when we have fun. Some shows get really serious. It's cool to learn. And, uh, you know, those are different kind of fun. But when we can just kind of freestyle it and have fun like that, especially when we get guys like Corey, man, it's, just, it's just laughs and giggles and old stories. It's, it's perfect, man.
1: Yeah, that was a good time. Uh, there's a few things I wanted to talk about. I I, I don't know for getting a call from Noah. You never know with that guy. I told him to ring me in about ten minutes. That was fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> so, um, oh, man, You're selling I, beer. Yeah, I don't know. I think or he's cupcaking. off. I, I don't know what he's doing. Probably cupcaking, dude. He's
0: he's simping,
1: he's simping hard. Um, uh-huh. I wanted to uh, talk about a couple of things that I so like. I think in the future I'm gonna go. So like throughout my week, there's a lot of topics that I want to, like, I was like, ah, this would be good to talk about on the podcast. And then like, I just like forget, or I don't write it down or whatever. But one of the takes that I wanted to talk about this week and get your insight was, I think like something on, I forget what it was, social media. One of the fans was like, we need to go to this racetrack. Why don't we go there? It's stupid. We don't race at this racetrack. And I don't even remember what racetrack it was, but what goes into picking a venue that we race at american flat track moto america like i see it in moto america too like we need to go back to this facility we need to go back to mid ohio or vir you know i think they had vir vir this year but um yep, with, yep so like with flat track it's you know it's the coin like why are we racing in the coin this that del mar um, mile and short track del mar mile uh, yeah it's, i you see it a lot right so for the fans listening, I wanted to kind of go over some insight that, that I felt some of the reasons, uh, like, it's not my job to comment back to everybody on Facebook. I'm not Robbie Bobby, I don't have, I don't have that kind of time in the day. So I figured I would address it on the pod. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Frankie, as far as like wanting to go somewhere, and then there's a fine line, like between wanting to go and then is it financially, financially feasible?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, number one, it comes down to, like, the financials of it. You know, what's it cost to to rent the place, and what are the stipulations for it, and how much time are you allowed to prep, and all that stuff. But I think another thing, obviously, another big thing is, like, track safety. Obviously, that's a huge factor, and, you know, with the riders, and do they feel safe riding there? But then I think, third, I mean, and I'm just wrapping off. I could be completely off the mark. Um, another big thing that I would believe would be a huge factor is spectator attendance. I mean, is the track getting spectators? Is it, is nobody showing up? I mean, does anyone care? I mean, I know that there's some, there's gotta be a couple tracks. Obviously I don't go to all of them. Um, but I've been to a lot of them and there's some tracks that get a lot of spectators and some tracks that just don't. And, uh, I know that like, when we see, we go to Sacramento mile, um, being that you know it's a big motorcycle weekend up there in Sac, that weekend with Hank down motocross the same day usually um those stands are always pretty full but then you know i've gone to other races where it was like oh i didn't you know did they not announce it did people how did you know nobody found out about it so um yeah i mean i would think that those are probably three big things um but then you know there's there's some good tracks and and not, not just with AFT, but even Moto America, they're really good tracks, you know, within the United States that aren't being utilized by, you know, AMA pro racing and, and the professional racing series. And, and uh, it's kind of, it's kind of sad. And, you know, especially for us as riders, we want to go to the best tracks, but the best tracks may, you know, might not always be the, you know, feasible as far as, you know, no spectators, really expensive facilities, um stuff like that so uh well i mean how how do you feel about all of it
1: yeah similar man um a couple of the examples i wanted to give was like the coin mile i mentioned already all the fans they want us to go to the coin mile uh you know for anyone that hasn't been to the coin it's in uh it's in illinois it's it's really far out there from i think there's two hotels within like 20 minutes there's like two hotels uh when we went there this year and it got rained out I think my hotel is a half hour away from the, uh, from the fairground. So it's tough for venues like that to bring fans in without, you know, hotels or, you know, back in the day, it was different. People would camp out more people, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was a little bit different, but you know, we've raced in some of these venues, the fans, they they want us to go to, we go there and they don't show up. Like the grandstands are empty. So if if a promoter takes that risk to like to put on the race, and y'all don't come support the support the event. You can't really go on social media saying, "Wow, well, we need to go here. We need to go there." It's like if you're within so many hours and you have that weekend off, come support the promoters because you know that's that's how we get to come back to these events every year. And a lot of it, man, and it's a double edged sword is this live streaming that we've had we have in this day and age. I mean, there are so many people that would rather just pay a dollar ninety nine. It's like stupid cheap to sit at home and watch the race on their, on their, you know, iPhone or computer or TV. So a lot of it is, it comes down to that venue location. Like you mentioned the, the, the venue rent, like how much does it cost to rent? Like as a promoter, um, you know, rent of the facility is huge amenities and flat track. A lot of these racetracks we used to race at, we don't go back anymore because like the grandstands are falling over. Parking is bad. Uh, I know Peoria TT, they're, they're trying to uh, upgrade that facility. It's been around for 50, 60 years, but not much has changed as far as like the amenities over the years. And it's kind of like, yeah, kind of nasty. It's, you know, trying to get grandstands in there and, um, you know, weather the weather, like for that part of the country, like there's not a lot of races, sorry, races in Florida during the summer. Obviously we're not racing during the winter in the Northeast or in general because of like snow and shit like that. Um, so there's a lot to it I just the fan like yeah we all want to race at these racetracks um, but it's easy for you know just a, a fan to say "Oh, we need to go to this track um, when it comes down to the financial you know financials with it it's like damn like it doesn't make sense and if we don't have these promoters you know it's like we're not going to have any races so you know if there's a racetrack in your part of the country don't buy the live coverage, go attend the race, buy tickets, support the promoters. Um, Cause if the promoters stop promoting the events and we're, we're, we're kind of screwed. So uh, definitely if you're, if you're in that, that part of the country where the event is definitely go uh, and it works for road racing, moto, moto everything like go, uh, go support it.
2: Yeah. And, it, and, and at the end of the day, it's good to get outside, go see, you know, go see the racing in person go interact with the riders, interact with, you know, the, the, the venue. And, you know, it just, it helps out everybody. It's not just, it's not just, you know, the riders and the series It you know, every time somebody goes to a race, you're supporting the vendors and you're giving people jobs and, you know, people are able to make money and, you know, it's just, it's just, a, the experience is so much better. Take the kids, you know, get them involved. So it's just, yeah it's it's so cool being at a at a race it's a different experience being at a, at a, at a motorcycle race live in, in person you know being able to smell the race fuel and you know all the concession stands and it's just it's like going to the fair but way cooler
1: can't argue that yeah it's it, until we had i was gonna say the sights and the sounds until we have uh electric bikes and we won't be able to hear shit but uh no it's Definitely got to come come out and support us. And uh, yeah, it's part of part of the beauty of what we do is having the having the fans there to hype us up. I know when there's a lot of fans and they're booing or cheering it, it, it hypes me up like it's like, damn, this is why this is what why I do what I do, man. This is awesome. So. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to bring that up a little Absolutely. bit. We'll talk talk some more about stuff like that on future episodes. I guess Chamber's not calling in, dude. I'll, we'll have to get him on the next pod. Um, the He's only fired. Yeah, he's he's done. But the only other thing I wanted to talk about is there is another pod, man, that that came out this week. It was big news, and it's not flat track, it's not road racing, but Bubba Stu. Did you listen to his pod? Uh, I haven't listened to it yet, but I did watch the preview,
2: and you know I was lucky enough to at one point in my career, uh, you know, I worked for in in my professional career. Uh, worked for Suzuki uh, during the time when James rode for them, and you know got a lot of insight on him, and you know was kind of in the know of what was going on with him behind the scenes. And, and uh, yeah, James is—he's a, a cool dude, man. He's there's a lot of—he's uh, interesting. He, it, he's an interesting cat. Uh, obviously, his retirement was kind of odd, and you know he retired from Suzuki, um, kind of disappeared and then he's made little appearances. I was at Tampa. I got to see him at Tampa Supercross uh, in 20, 2020, um, which was cool to see him show up there and him and Chad had a big moment and they were hugging it out and, you know, reminiscing old times, which was, I thought that was so rad. I got to, you know, it was behind all the rigs and stuff and I got to witness that. And uh, I thought that was really, really cool, you know, and, uh, but yeah, man, I'm excited. He's made little appearances here and there, but he's got this podcast and he seems super excited about it. I'm, uh, yeah, I I'm actually listened to, to it.
1: it. I listened. I, I, t- I tuned in. I listened to it. It was about an hour long. And, um, to be honest, man, I was a little disappointed. Uh, I'm a huge James Stewart fan. Like, obviously, that was my error watching, watching him scrub a 125 and do shit that nobody else could do. But, like, I feel like man, it's the first one, so I'm sure, I'm sure though it'll get better and better because there's a lot of good insight and he's pretty freaking funny, man. Like he's a funny dude. I just hope, I hope he opens up more because like the episode I heard, it it wasn't like opened up. It was kind of like I don't know. I I feel like there's a lot more he can do with it. He got a little political, like which was like, yeah, we don't like. I don't want to hear about politics on a uh, on a motorcycle pod, like like whether or not whatever your politics are like keep that shit off like off the pod like you know from from my from what I feel but um but yeah man I'm, I'm hoping he he kind of tunes it up a bit in the future um was definitely was definitely stoked on it maybe because it was James Stewart and I have, we haven't heard from him really in like three years four years but I was like eh I was I want more like like give me the goods bro. Hey,
2: was Roger Larson on it with him
1: uh, i'm trying to think who his co-hosts were he had uh he had like two people on i, I, I think one was larson and uh, i'm trying to think who else was on it man yeah i don't know oh
2: yeah no roger's a funny dude man it's kind of a bad it's, review uh, i guess
1: but yeah i was a little I was a little bummed but hopefully hopefully he ramps it live. on moving forward um anyway chambers did call in bro he's on the line
2: oh here we go dude what up man Listen, first question, what were you doing, selling beers or cupcaking?
3: Uh, right now, I am actually sitting on the couch,
2: just
3: finished eat, uh, eating dinner, uh, just trying to kind of just hanging out. Jeez, bro, I'm off tonight, all right? thank God, i have right. to work.
1: Yeah, why are you yeah, so dude. normal
2: right now?
3: I mean, it's a pretty normal night tonight. Is is uh? I got it, I got some friends out at the bar that that invited me out, but I uh, I don't think I'm don't think I'm going out there tonight. I'm gonna to try to be productive and ride some tomorrow. So wow, try to wheel it in. You know what I mean?
1: Change the scene, dude. Is uh is Amy there?
3: <laughs> yeah, actually, we're gonna get ready to go to bed here soon. She's gotta uh, <laughs>
1: oh, she
2: gotta uh, gotta be up early. You yeah, like know I said, what that means. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh! What is happening, dude? Wow. I, would, I just we just we just had our guest on, and there was an incredible conversation about there is there is a road race team, and I don't think they might be hiring, man. I don't know. Like, well, the opportunity might be there, but it was Milf Hunters Racing, and it just like I was like, man, we got to get a hold of Chambers. Like, that could be a, an excellent opportunity for you what kind of road racing like what kind of bikes no the team is just it's milf hunters racing um you know the finances are it, there we just we maybe we can t- turn that team into like a, a moto team but um it's oh, right, up, dude, it's right yeah. up your alley
2: who's all on the team right now no one no one yeah. no one's on the team I mean, there's no team right yeah. now because we're the, I mean, on the, teams, second, but... the
3: second they talk to me they're gonna want me i mean you know that it's just mail hunter. That's that's
2: your job. Basically, what you do for free.
3: I mean, I've got I've got some pretty good experience. You know, down. I remember you can ask Coast, dude. One time we were down in Vazels,
2: and a little rally. the second time dude. it's just brought up today. Jeez,
3: yeah. I mean, like it was like right before COVID, and like what was that? Twenty, I guess twenty twenty. Early yeah. twenty twenty, man. Yeah, we were. We were laying it down down there, like just getting after it.
1: Would you put MILF Hunters on your helmet?
3: Absolutely. I mean, if, if they're going to pay for the helmet, well, I don't want a helmet, wrap, I want a custom painted helmet. If they're going to pay for the custom painted helmet and put it on there, without a fucking doubt. What
1: would they don't it even take? have to give me any money. So for sponsors listening, what would it take to to sponsor Noah Chambers? Because you've gotten some sponsors from the pod, man. Like, Probably uh, yep, the majority no. of your financial backing is from being on this freaking show. Um Well, I've definitely gotten um I've definitely gotten some
3: some support uh Kelly out in California she, she hooked it up last year and um some other people have thrown thrown me bones here and there so it's pretty cool. What do you say about a helmet deal?
2: What's a helmet deal cost for Noah Chambers?
3: Well, um I <laughs> honestly if realistically i've never had a i've never had a custom painted helmet so if someone said hey i'm gonna buy you a helmet and, and get a custom painted i'd probably just fucking that would that would be enough <laughs> dude
2: you're selling yourself so short right now i know i, feel I, know. Like I shouldn't works. i
3: shouldn't but that's that's something i've wanted for so long and i've just never had one um some people get like 10 of them a year you know what i mean but me i i don't know i've always had just the the basic like off-the-shelf ones and and you know i try to spice them up with some stickers and stuff like that but something about custom painted custom painted helmet is really cool so i um, know i don't know really cool. depending on what it was, was if it was something if it was something stupid and ugly like if the logo is badass then like i'd probably let it ride but if it was something real dumb i'd just be like mm, maybe maybe pay for an entry or something like that or something you know? always, I, mean,
1: I, I don't Frankie, we were well, at no. uh we were at Brandon hey, Robinson cla- I'm getting go for it. <laughs> we were at Brandon Robinson's wedding and uh Jerry Stinchfield, he he listens to a bunch of our pods. He's a sponsor and, and he was there and obviously drinks were going down. Noah's never met Jerry, but Jerry listens to a lot of the pods and Noah's like going over, hey Jerry, I tell you what. You give me twenty dollars, I'll put your fucking logo all over my stuff, man. Mm-hmm. like no, nah, he, he means 40 dollars, like yeah. Was Bolie was trying to sweeten the deal for me, dude? Trying to sweeten the deal. Noah's was all banged up talking to Jerry. Jerry was loving it. It's like get a few drinks and no, oh. he's he's working deals at weddings, man. Just just uh working the sponsor deals. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Man.
2: You gotta stop selling yourself so short, man. Aim high. No,
1: no,
3: I know, I know. I just, uh, I don't have, I don't have much experience with that. You know, I've never been a guy that's really gotten much financial support from, from you know, especially companies. It's all necessarily just been people that have liked what I do and what I'm, what I'm chasing and stuff like that. And those, those people have, have really been <clears throat> my, <laughs> my, my main sponsors. Aside from me working, I mean, I'm. I fucking work a full time job. You You're know a what gas I mean? station like, uh, like attendant, is... right? Yeah. Who was that asshole that that saw that that one time?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. What a loser. But yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you can call it that. You know what I mean? So, whatever. It's cool. You know what I mean? I I know. I know what I got, and and like I said, it's it is a pretty small group of people that have that have you know helped me out along the way, and. I do appreciate them. It's it's cool, dude.
1: Getting emotional. Yeah, little... Tank slapping pot. No, episode. I mean it's like it it what a change of pace from Noah Chambers, yeah. man. He's like God, he's a grown he's a grown man now. He hits me he hits me up. He's like, Hey man, what a I'm like, bro, <laughs> like what I say to you, get your get your shit together. And then the next thing I know, he's not drinking beer anymore. He's got a girlfriend. I'm like, well, well hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up.
3: Hold on, I'm still drinking beer. We can't that, that, that <laughs> false information. No, nah, you
1: said mixed drinks. It's less calories, dude.
3: Yeah, well, it's alcohol, whatever. I mean I had a beer tonight with dinner. Just one, but like I said, dude, I'm I'm gonna go ride tomorrow with uh I think with Craig DeLong and some of them boys. So if I'm you know, they're pretty good, so I don't wanna go there looking like a fucking chump, you know. I gotta bring up in the sauce.
2: Bring the egg so, in.
3: Love you know it. what I mean? I don't want to roll up there looking like an idiot.
1: No, that'll never happen. Did you? Uh, uh,
3: go who ahead. Did you guys have? How did you guys have
2: on tonight? We had Corey West. Corey and, West was
3: that a road racer?
2: He's a road racer. Yeah, yeah, good dude. Moto America, he's done a lot dude. Of cool stuff. Moto America guy. Bagger, before that,
1: Pikes um, peak. Yeah,
2: races. Done. He's done a lot, man. Guy's got a long, long story of motorcycle racing. He's
1: funny, bro. You should we, you'll, uh, go back and listen to the pod. We we uh, we talk about you a little bit when he he legit rode for a team called Mill Hunter's Racing, and that was know, they like still the out team. there. Nah, I don't. It, think it was
2: it, it was Team Hunter was the the name like officially, but it was ran and owned by uh, this gentleman who who was the star and owner of uh, it was a porn site oh my
3: god dude I yeah yeah I'd mind that ride on a bike
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll get it tattooed on my forearm
3: oh the windshield
1: without a doubt Sold the windshield without a doubt Uh, I love it man um we'll we'll let you roll just wanted to get a little check in um did Did you listen no it's all good bro did you listen to Bubba Stew's new pod or no Nah, dude. I'll be honest. I mean,
3: I wasn't like overly like, you know, like just I just wasn't too excited about the whole ordeal. Like, don't get me wrong. I I love James Stewart and like you know who he is as a, as a racer, but I don't know, man. I don't really keep close tabs on like what that dude does now. I mean, ever since realistically, man, ever since I kind of was around like the racing scene. He, like, for the first few years, he was racing. But I don't know if he ever completed a full season, like, since I have been in the motocross, which is, like, 2013-ish, like that, around that time. Like, I, he he's obviously racing. He's won races since then. But I don't think he was ever, like, around full time. And then he's been MIA for the past, what, four years now or something like that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you got a point there. So, you got a
3: point yeah, there. I just I just haven't really, like – well, it's good to like keep close tabs on the guy. I don't know. I mean, adds, I don't get me wrong. He's a he's a bad fucking dude, but yeah, um,
1: it adds some speed for sure when you're gone for like a little bit. Like if you go MIA for like a year or two, it adds some like excitement to like like maybe if he comes back. Like, but then like when you're gone for too long, it's it's like you miss it's like you miss the moment. Like it's like ah, eh, mm-hmm. who? It's like not. I mean, obviously that it's we obviously that's a bad example but it's like damn that guy's been gone for so long um
3: and and on top crazy. of that i mean like i'm not the biggest i was never like the biggest james stewart fan i mean there's other racers that i'd i'd rather listen to you know what oh, i mean
1: really nah james is my guy there is was- i i mean i think
3: he's like i said I, I can respect him as a racer and and what he's done and stuff like that but i just i maybe maybe that's because i didn't live that era you know what i mean i wasn't I don't know the old, like, back in the day when they had the TV show, Bubba's World and shit. Like, that back wasn't my... Back in the day,
1: Frankie. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was way before my time, really. <laughs> that like, was that long ago, was that's bro. the best thing
3: I've ever heard.
1: What year was that? I don't know, but Co- Cooper Webb's in that... He's in Bubba's World as, like, one of the kids he trains at his track on, like, a 60 or 80. Is that crazy? Yeah, see,
3: so that's way before my time of racing because Cooper Webb, like, I can remember... Cooper Webb, when he first went pro, like he was a guy that I've watched now from like the start of him turning pro and on. I, I mean, even as an amateur, I don't even really remember Cooper Webb because I wasn't around uh, most of the reason
1: I was a Bubba guy, man. I, I Bubba was like my probably my favorite rider, and then like I kind of rooted for Ricky as like the under I, I change around, man. I change whatever Ricky. the narrative is. I'm like I'm rooting for that guy. It's like like now I'm a Cooper Webb fan all of a sudden. Like wasn't a big Cooper guy uh, and now. Cooper it's, Webb.
3: Cooper Webb's a bad dude, yo. I know, How you love you not, like, Cooper Webb.
1: We get it. We well, get he's it. just, dude, the mindset, the mindset that guy has,
3: like, he could be on, he could go out there, qualify 10ths and then, like, line up on the main event at Supercross race and, and win the fucking race. Just because he, like, that guy mentally is, he's got to be so strong. And, and notice this season. Notice the Supercross season when he's out front, because you know he will be at races, select races or whatever. When he's out front, someone will be breathing down his neck breathing down his neck and it's like he he doesn't even pay any mind to it and then you watch not other racers behind him they start making mistakes they start you know cooper webb is completely unfazed by every by anyone else i mean that dude is dude he's, he's badass but i'm not the biggest like i'm not the biggest cooper webb fan i was an osborne fan dude so to see it, so to, to see that dude hang it up is a bummer for me
2: yeah that was a bummer to see we're gonna miss Zacho, hundred yeah, percent.
1: That was gotta, a bad dude. We gotta man. get Zacho on the pod, man. We've talked about it a little bit. Maybe, uh, maybe Cobb's call, call Zach. I don't know what he's got planned now, but he's a flat track guy. Yeah, we like,
2: get
1: he goes over when they were at Alton's, man. He'd go over and Shane and Briar, they'd be riding the flat track, and and Zacho would. Uh, he'd go over and and spectate, and I, I don't know. I mean, I heard there was a rumor he might have rode a flat track bike at Alton's. I don't, oh, I don't know. Wow. I mean, maybe that was a rumor. I went to but... Alton's. <laughs>
2: I went out there one time and, and this was before the Shane and Briar days. Um, and, and he was like, I was just out there doing, I was, you know, working and, and he goes, Hey man, do you know this guy? And it was like the guy, there was some guy out there fixing tractors and he had like some flat track stickers on the back of his truck. And, uh, he like stops in the middle of what he's doing and he like goes and introduces me to this guy. He's like, yeah, Frankie's a flat tracker. You're a flat tracker. Like you guys should be friends. And this is like old man just <laughs> working on the tractors and he was just stoked. He was like, "Yeah, flat trackers." And I'm like, "Yeah, what is that? Yeah, this is awesome. Those are my <laughs> you guys,
1: people. <laughs> you guys exchange MySpace pages and keep in touch. 100 100%. 100% <laughs> top 8, dude. Did, did you have a MySpace now or no?
3: Dude, like I said, bro, way before my time. That Back hurts. in the day, that hurts I can remember yeah, yo, I got this kill. I got this crazy like I can remember going over to like I used to hang out at my neighbor's house a lot as a kid. And, the oldest neighbor boy was probably, if I was 10, he was probably like 18. You know what I mean? And I was, I was friends with his little brother, but I can remember going over there and him, his older brother being on MySpace and like, you know, showing me like different chicks profile pages and being like,
1: oh yeah, like, you, know,
3: you know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> my, but I, me having MySpace, bro, I, I, I didn't even know how to use a computer back then. <laughs> I mean, what year, what year are you guys talking? This guy's four. You're whore, right? you're
1: you're an Eagle Scout. What do you mean? You can build a fire with sticks but you don't know how to use a computer? <laughs> I can use a computer now, but dude, you're talking
3: you're ta- cool, man. You're how old are you? Uh, twenty six. Frankie, how old are you? Thirty.
1: Are you are thirty or you, you,
3: you bullshit me? Yeah, I'm thirty. What the hell is going on here? How old are you guys? I want to see IDs. Corey, what year
1: beef beef are beef beef for. I fucking no, you? No, you asked me long. how old I am like every week. Well, because every week it changes. You just told me 26. All right, how old am I? Like, if you had $1,000 to guess Corey's age, how old is he? I'm going with 32. <sighs> yep, you're right. Or 34. 34 32 or 34? 34. 34.
3: See, when I met you, you were twenty, you were thirty-two or thirty-one, but you don't fucking age. So how am I supposed to, <laughs> you know? I it know. doesn't.
2: It doesn't. I, Corey's got a fountain of youth in his backyard. He's not sharing it with any of us. <laughs> yeah,
3: dude. I don't
1: feel like my body. I don't. My body don't feel like a fountain of youth. I fucking... dude, you look like an angel. I'm still sore from that pit bike race I did a month ago. I'm still, like, I didn't even I crash. I can't even tell sometimes.
2: I can't even tell sometimes if Cruz is your kid or if he's if he's your brother.
1: <laughs> I love it, dude. I ain't complaining. Are you really thirty, Frank? I thought. I thought. Eh, I guess that makes yeah. sense. You're Shana's age, so. Yeah, ninety-one.
0: All right. Anyway, I know. Yeah, so. I right. did. Yeah,
3: I didn't have a MySpace, that's for sure, dude.
1: I forget Noah's only twenty-three.
2: <laughs> Twenty-two, bro.
1: That's crazy. You are yeah. a Ample. child. Mm. You're a child,
2: dude. Speaking of speaking of children, I got Cody Copps been staying at my house. Today yeah. he told me that I was like, when do you turn eighteen? And he's like, Oh, not till next November. I was like, Oh, you just turned seventeen. You are <laughs> yeah. an infant. Yeah,
1: Cody. What do you gotta
3: be? Sixteen D base G- base AFT? Yeah,
2: sixteen. Yeah, Cody Cop, uh, uh offspring of Joe Cop. No, I know Smoking. who that is, but,
3: but what do you have to Cody, yeah, no, I know Cody. What do you have to be? Um
2: sixteen to base AFT? Sixteen, yeah. Sixteen. Hmm. Yeah, because I don't think. Uh... No, he was able to race a full season this year.
1: Yeah, he rode a full season. I mean, if he turned in November, but yeah, he rode. He was rookie yeah. of the year this year.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's right. Yeah, I was going to say, rookie of the year. Bad dude. I
1: watched him race at. What
3: was the PA one? Um, Port Royal? Yeah. I think he got second. I think was a yeah he role. did. Yeah, he almost won it. He should have yeah, won it. Looked, yeah, he looked. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. he almost Max won, but that dude was dude. He was he was laying it down. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, we'll have to get him on the upcoming show, Frankie. Oh, wink, wink. Um, oh, but absolutely. but uh, cool, we'll man. Well, we'll let you we'll let you roll, Noah. We're gonna probably wrap this pod up, but uh, it was it was good getting uh, a little bit of insight. The fans always request your presence, man. I don't know what it is, but. Got you on the pod. and Hey man. We'll, we'll work on that yeah, custom painted not. lid too. Yeah, dude, if there's anyone out there that wants to, you know, get me
3: a custom painted lid, you can pretty much put a, you going to put titties on it, that's cool. You can put whatever you want on it. Beer <laughs> bottles, that's fine. I'm in, man. <laughs> I'm Don't tell serious, me, that.
2: dude. I'm gonna send you a custom if painted someone, look, have everything if you someone,
1: you Frankie, let's yeah, just put you and and, your face on the side of his helmet, dude. Yeah, I'm going to
2: put Corey's face on one side and my
1: face on the other I'll
3: go <laughs> half with you on it, Frank. if you time, want. Listen, bro, as long as it's got... I For the longest time, i wanted a, a Tank slap and podcast custom painted fucking helmet. You know what I mean? Like, someone's got to rep on shit. I rep it on the bike, but how badass would it be to have the helmet? I'll have Frankie on one side, Corey on the other side. That's it. <laughs> Dude. You you can? I,
2: want a PBR,
3: I want a PBR can on top and... Say no more. You know, back in the day when I used, you know, like I say, back in the day, three months, you know, a couple months ago, and I used to hang out at Hilltop all the time. I was like, yeah, it would be sick to because Hilltop has like this real shitty overhang out front, this bar, right? I mean, it's a hole in the wall. I was like, oh, I'll get that, uh, I'll get the overhang like airbrushed on the back of the helmet, Hilltop.
1: You know, like (laughs) back in the day, uh, three months ago, before I got a girlfriend. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well we're gonna we're gonna god, work oh, on that deal frankie we're gonna we're gonna work on that deal we're gonna we'll, we'll make yeah this happen. has to happen we gotta ink it this we gotta ink, to ink the paper
2: dude, uh,
1: all right man We, we are are bell helmet. yeah bell uh well it's gotta be a bell yeah, yeah it's gotta be a bell yeah it's gotta we're be gonna, a bell we
3: gonna have to do hey, that, dude too. i mean i was wearing i was wearing bells for a long
1: time until i couldn't get one and then i had to i had to go to something else so yeah, we'll get you back in Bell too. Yep, we know the
2: guys.
3: We, we might know
1: some guys. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
3: Come to give me a call. I'll talk to them. <laughs> well, I, 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 ain't like the, <laughs> I ain't like the rest of these fucking loser racers that don't, that can't talk to nobody. I'll talk to you.
1: <laughs> Here you go.
3: <laughs> you know, shit. I mean, pretty easy going.
1: Yeah, you're not gonna oh, message them me. on TikTok. You're gonna, you're gonna make the call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna hit you up on TikTok and
3: um i'll probably drink a beer with you after the race regardless of, of the result but yeah yeah i mean you know
2: oh. <laughs> all
3: right all right dudes well oh. for giving me a ring i will uh i look forward to hopefully talking to you guys
1: soon all right go back Absolutely, to uh we always love having go back to uh drinking a smoothie and watching a christmas movie man we'll uh we'll, we'll talk to you later
3: Dude, I'm 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 going to fucking bed at this point, bro. What time is it? Let Me look. Ten twenty. Ten twenty. Yeah, I'm going to fucking bed, dude. Right, I gotta homie. go pump gas in the morning. I gotta pump gas in the morning, so I gotta I gotta get to sleep. Yeah, big day. Whoever <laughs> that yeah, I asshole said that shit
2: again, I can't remember. <laughs> I gotta feed Cody cop dinner.
1: No. All right. Well, Noah. He's sixteen, right? Won't we'll you just yelled
2: you. from the living we'll room? Shut up.
1: up. <laughs> Later, dude. I'll talk to you. Peace. All right, Frankie, let's wrap this up. Good show. want to make sure we shout out our sponsors, make it happen. Bell Power Sports, check out bellhelmets.com. We talk about Bell a lot, big fans of the product, big fan of of what they're putting out and supporting the sport. Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing, check out their website at yamahamotorsports.com. Motorcycle, ATV, side-by-side, snowmobile and power products. Yamaha revs your heart. Indian Motorcycle, since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Check out, a local de- check out a local dealership near you. Go test ride a bike. Hell, buy a couple of them. Uh, buy me a Challenger while you're there. Uh, they do a lot for the sport, and we're uh, very thankful for what they do for our podcast. And Jerry's Dinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial and industrial roofing company. Uh, honestly, I can almost say nobody does more for the sport of flat track than Jerry, um, and we really appreciate his support. Uh, I don't know what you got going on, Frankie. I did, a, I did an indoor race last week in our local... Our local big indoor and won a couple races they're having another one this week, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to show up or not, but, uh, what, what do you got planned this weekend? Anything, any riding or. Um, I
2: may have some things coming up with, uh, Moto America that kind of, uh, we haven't uh, really made any announcements for yet, but, uh, I'll be doing some filming for three days. Um, okay. going to go on a little trip, uh, on, on the, uh, Indian challenger, um, and uh, i'm taking taking actually uh, a couple of my buddies with me uh benny tozzi and kyle vara from bell helmets are gonna come on this little uh ride with me and then uh jeff holt from v-twin visionary mm-hmm. and uh, we're gonna go ride some baggers and film some things and, and uh hopefully uh we'll see some pretty fun stuff coming out of that so it's a crew uh, baby it's a crew man it's gonna be a That's lot of a fun, crew. and
1: yeah.
2: And uh I'm gonna take the uh take uh, take the boys on a little adventure that I'm not sure everyone's quite ready for, but they're gonna be surprised. Uh yeah, I just when I got home before this podcast, I uh walked in the front door and there were, there were some tents and sleeping bags uh, that were sent to the house. So Oh Yeah, sad. we're gonna put these guys out in the elements and see what happens. <laughs>
1: Love it, yeah. Look forward to that, dude. That'll be some entertaining content on the gram. That'd be cool. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Those are those are good dudes, man. That's that's. I haven't seen or heard from Jeff in a while, so tell him I said hi. And obviously, Betty and Kyle are, are good dudes. So yeah, that's awesome, man. Cool. Well, it's been a good pod, a long pod. We'll wrap it up, and we'll we got a good one coming for you next week. We we have a guest lined up. We might have hinted it already, and uh, mm-hmm. that's a wrap, baby. We out.